Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello and welcome to the IAB UK podcast. From the IAB, I'm James Chandler. And this week, the focus turns to measurement in homage to the third annual National Anti-Click-Through Rate Day on the 12th of February. Of course, we're celebrating it with tongue firmly in cheek. But behind the lolzy title, there's still somewhat of a nut to crack when it comes to measuring online media. And when we talk to advertisers and ask them what's holding them back from spending more in digital, the answer that consistently comes back is measurement. So who better to have on this week than Mindshare's Director of Performance Analytics, Andy Bellis. Andy leads a team of data scientists, analysts and econometrics specialists and has spent the best part of 20 years in the industry focusing on measurement and attribution. It really is a fascinating 20 minutes where we get under the skin of vanity metrics versus business outcomes, talk about digital's brand building capabilities rather than being bundled into a performance bucket, and why nowadays Andy's slides and pitches have been bumped from the end to the very beginning. But I started by asking him to explain exactly what he does at Mindshare. My role at Mindshare is a performance analytics director and that's part of the marketing science team. So we're responsible for all things in terms of measurement and attribution, and that's across all media channels. So it's really linking uh, performance, which is what our clients want to achieve with what we do at Mindshare. I think that's the theme of measurement really. It's about connectivity. It's about what our clients want to achieve uh, and linking that to the decisions that we make in the organization. Um, And I think thinking about it in those terms, really kind of humanizes it. It links it back to Mm. our clients, what they want, and it links it back to our planning colleagues as well, stops it from being too technical um, and and gets it into that outcome space that we're all striving for. Yeah. Uh, Have you always done it? Always done measurement. Uh, Mm. Yeah, always done numbers. Um, I started (laughs) off my career in government, actually. Did you? Yeah, the Office for National Statistics. So it was still counting, but it was counting things (laughs) in... uh, national accounts. So it was the census and national accounting. So um, counting people, counting GDP. Mm. um, And I worked in a specialist uh, division called the um, Macroeconomic Statistics and Analysis Group uh, that did, um, well, experimental experimental economic analysis. So really, Mm. really interesting. Um, But I soon took that over into the uh, commercial (laughs) sector. And the nearest thing was was, uh, marketing analytics. So that's where I took it to client side then agency side this challenge around measurement which we we hear again and again from from advertisers you've worked at various different agencies has there always been a a common challenge with it that you found yeah i mean it's worth going back to just that connectivity piece really uh and i used to talk about measurements um just being two things really which was one to prove what we've done and to mm. to improve and that talks yeah. to the auditing or accountability piece to prove and of course the main reason why you're doing that is to then project that forward into optimization which is the improved side of things mm. but i think even that sounds too technical these days and part of our job in measurement is to get away from the technical it sounds like an auditor it sounds like an accountant yeah. um, and that's not what we do we do the connectivity thing uh, which is much more important, which, as I say, is about linking what we do in media, making decisions uh, about, um, about media selections, weighting, mix, et cetera, and connecting that to what our 
clients want to achieve, which is their business objectives, their outcomes. They're not that interested in media. Um, They're interested in their business. They want to talk about their business. They want measurement to be about their business. I was fascinated. I used to have a friend actually who, who did go client side, who'd worked in a media agency and uh, having been a media person myself, after he'd been there for six months, he said, it's probably about 5% of my job media. You know, I'm, I'm about <laughs> promotions and retailers. And it, was like, it never dawned on me because, of course, when you work in an agency, that's sort of your world. So it's sort of mega, it's mega it. important. Um, it's, it's dialed up high in our own heads. And I think we've yeah. always got to be aware of that. What, why do you think it is then, Andy? I mean, I, I love this thing on, on business outcomes, but we too much in the industry, we, we seem to come across this, this this want to really focus on some of the the vanity metrics you know how many people have seen it who's clicked on it who's done various other different bits of engagement rather than well how many cans of deodorant have i actually sold and how many have i sold and how many am i going to sell in in six months what what, what, is it just harder to do do you think is that is that why we sort of shy away from from getting to those business outcomes i think so yeah and you call them vanity metrics and that's that's a useful term because it's uh, it instantly devalues them. And that's the idea of the term vanity metric, basically. <laughs> yeah. It's not that they don't have value. I think we've mm. got to put them in context uh, and got to understand their role. Now, the reason why we use them, of course, is because they're very plentiful and very accessible. Mm. And we generate loads of them. We, as soon as we turn on our systems and put a plan into activation, they start spilling out, basically. Uh, but again, it, it's, about, it's about that connectivity. And we at Mindshare have a metrics framework and effectively it runs from left, left to right. And on the left-hand side, we've got all our uh, inputs, our media metrics, which are our spend and impressions and reach and running through to the engagement metrics. And finally to our outputs and our outcomes that our clients want to achieve. And we, we say really, when, when you go into your PCA, just be very, very careful about only talking about your left side metrics basically because all you're doing effectively is talking about yourself and it's like in a conversation with an individual um it's easy to talk about yourself because you've got lots of information about yourself you know lots about yourself but the person on the other side is going to get really bored really soon they want to hear something about themselves and they want to start speaking as well so again it's about connecting the two together of course there's a technical task to do that as well Mm. which is literally connect the two together through relationships and attribution uh, which is more involved and leads into all sorts of technical issues uh, that we love to get involved in in measurement and so on. But, you know, on the surface, just remember that thing that um, nobody wants to just hear about you uh, and have the conversation all focused around you. Think left side and right side metrics. It's really good. It's sort of principle for any relationship, I guess, isn't it? Um, <laughs> That's right. Do, do you think this, I mean, you would have, you would have uh, been doing this kind of thing before digital was, as, as big as it is now in terms of spend and, and platforms, media owners, publishers. Um, is digital a useful term to use? I mean, I sense you're probably going to say no, but if you take something like search, and you take something like display, I mean, they're, they're completely different things and doing different jobs. So yeah. it's part of the problem it gets, and I'm probably a bit guilty of doing it, mm-hmm. is lumping it all into this, it's all online media. Gosh, yeah, I think there's, um, there's loads of layers to that and lots of ways you can come at it. I mean, I, my background was um, direct and database marketing. Hmm. So I came from an area that was quantifiable, that was evidence-based and so on, which are elements that digital has. Hmm. And digital came along, and of course, it supercharged all of that. The feedback loops were so much faster. The amount of data that was pumped out was so much greater. But I recognized it. I recognized yeah. how it worked. It was, just, it was just faster, and it was 
based on a different type of tech and a different type of linkage through um, cookies and pixels and so on, rather than matching name and address, postcodes uh, and so on. Um, so I recognised what it was doing. Uh, it was just far more exciting um, and it just had um, new elements involved in it, especially tech, tech elements, platforms, systems, etc. Yeah. I, I mean, of course, famously, you know, um, everybody says that all, all, all media channels are digital now or going that way and all, all, all media will be digital. Um, but I do think it is still a useful term because it alludes to that ambition that mm. um, digital came in with, which is to be accountable, yeah. to be fast, to generate lots of data, to be evidence-based, et cetera. So those ambitions and those principles are really, really important. And all other channels should aspire to that um, whilst um, you know, digital and ATL continue to merge, blend together, overlap, et cetera. I think that ambition that digital brought is really, really important. You work across a bunch of different brands. Do you think digital um, gets stuck sometimes in that performance bucket, you know, effectively saying, you know, it's going out retargeting a load of people who would have bought something anyway, or, you know, can it be a really credible builder of brands in the same way as maybe print and outdoor and, and, and tele are? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it obviously gets stuck in the performance bucket because it's so good at it. Mm. Um, <laughs> and it has risen to over 50% of media spend on occupying that space. So, hey, a great success. Yeah. Um, and it's not a, a, a bad bucket to be stuck in <laughs> if it gets you over 50% of, of, of the media spend. But now, of course, digital is looking to get out of that space and saying we can get involved all the way through the journey, mm. uh, all the way through the line, basically, and do brand building as well. And, you know, at the same time, we think about, there's a bit of conflation about digital channels and e-commerce businesses. There's lots of e-commerce businesses out there, and they naturally had a tendency to build themselves on digital channels. They had mm. a natural affinity with digital channels, I think, um, the accountability um, that those channels bring and the accountability and evidence base that's inherent in those types of businesses. Um, and I think as those businesses have grown on digital and then they're looking for the next stages of growth, then yeah, they inevitably yeah. look to either ATL channels or the equivalent of that ATL growth from digital channels. So mm. I think increasingly um, those e-commerce businesses are helping digital channels to consider where they should be in that brand generation mix. Uh, yeah. And I think that's really, really useful. It's, the, it's those businesses that are dragging the uh, channel evolution along. Yeah. And we've, we've had a big focus on, on D2C brands. And, and one of the questions we had when we really got stuck into it last year was, is there that ceiling? I always think about Monzo Bank who you know, grew a community of a million customers online, was this amazing challenger brand in, in banking, weren't on the high street, pure play digital, but effectively to get that next level of growth and build their brand, they, they had to go above the line. So I guess there's some inevitability, isn't it? You can only really get so far uh, before you need to use big broadcast media and needs to resonate with people maybe in a, a slightly different way. That, that's true. And, and all marketing and media-led business growth is really about penetration. Yeah. So you're growing penetration and that really comes from reach. Mm. Uh, and it's about the ability for channels to achieve that. 
Um, and there's no reason why digital channels can't achieve that, um, but it has to be the flavor of the digital channel that's mm. capable of doing that. Yeah. Um, so certainly the whole side of digital AV can achieve that, not a problem. Um, and uh, traditionally it would have been the role for TV out of home, as you say, press. Um, but now digital AV channels can certainly achieve that. Uh, again, I think we're in the space of could Facebook do all of that by itself because it's got a brand and DR model built in mm. Uh, and, and potentially it can because it's got a reach side of it and it's got a conversion side of it, really. Um, and I think um, the only reason why it hasn't in the past is that the focus has been on that DR side of thing, as, as we've spoken about. That's yeah. where these channels have come from, the accountable uh, end of funnel converting side of, uh, of, of the task. But one interesting brand that we've worked with is um, Carwow. And again, another D2C disruptor in, in that whole D2C auto sector and we've got a, a whole a whole raft of challenger brands in, in that area and Carwell was one of the first and interestingly its initial strategy was using ppc which is just a given as a converter you know <laughs> it's the channel that you need to be in to convert um, um, and content uh, and building uh, building out content really through its youtube channel i love so, matt watson he's brilliant he's like a real exactly. who doesn't who doesn't who doesn't yeah. so they bring in <laughs> They bring in an expert, a personality, a front. Mm. They don't put it on TV. Um, that wouldn't work. They own that space. Um, it's AV, um, and it's uh, fantastically produced content, mm. um, but they own that space, and that's how they've done it. So they get that reach. They get that brand-building activity because they've got a personality that can explain what they're all yeah. about as a brand, um, and then they get the conversion side of it as well through PPC. Now, interestingly... Um, and I never believed this could happen until I saw it. Um, <laughs> they managed to build awareness through PPC alone. Now, they, wow. didn't, they didn't build much awareness um, through in the wider population, but they built in-market awareness through PPC alone. And if you hang out in the right place in, in, in SERPs, in, in, in the search engine results pages, <laughs> in auto spaces where people are searching for either brands auto brands yeah. or categories, four by fours, hatchbacks, and so on. You're going to become well-known wow. in that sector. And that's all you have to do, really, hang out in the right places. So the difference between the in-market awareness and the broader population awareness was very, very wide. Mm. Of course, it's only the in-market awareness that you want yeah, 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 yeah. Um, as you grow in a business. Um, more latterly, we've had Kazoo come along, which is another interesting brand that's entered yeah, that yeah. market. And that's been um, that was set up by... Um, Alex Chesterman, and he already set up Love Film, and oh. he set up uh, Zoopla. So he's got real heritage yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, in this in this DTC e-commerce sector. And of course, that attracted a lot of investment as well. He's got a proven track record in there. Mm. So he came along with a lot of money. And uh, that means he didn't want to wait. He didn't want to grow organically. He didn't <laughs> want to build. He didn't want to build awareness in PPC by yeah. hanging around the right pages in SERPs. He went and sponsored premiership football teams. Mm. He's done a massive brand TV campaign and so on. He wants to get dominance in that sector. He wants to get the number one slot. He wants to get high reach, high penetration, and he can't wait to achieve it yeah. organically over a long period of time. Um, at the moment, that will be really hurting his bottom line, no doubt. You know, yeah. That won't be returning this week or this month. No. <laughs> He's, uh, his investors know he can run a business like that, so they're investing in for the long term. Yeah. Well, t tell me where you come in uh, on the process when it comes to clients. I, I mean, I, I, I wonder if it's 
uh, a very plonky thing that you're sort of at the end. And as you say, you're going to evaluate it and then help the optimization. But um, I'm hoping you're going to say you come in sort of m- m- much earlier on. Yeah, um, I, ideally, I, famously, um, through, you know, throughout my career, people, myself and people like me uh, in any presentation or any pitch were the last two slides. <laughs> yeah. and, and often we get cut. Um, yeah. So sometimes yeah. you do that thing, of, I won't even look at my slides, I won't rehearse, and I'm going to get cut, <laughs> we'll never get around to it and so on. So famously at the end. Um, but now, you know, um, what we do is say, look, it's so important to establish up front mm what we're trying to achieve and how we're going to achieve it, uh, that it's got to be at the beginning. Mm. Um, so again, measurement framework is something we put in right up front mm. because again, it links what we're trying to achieve, the decisions that we make to what our clients want to do. So it's got to come in right at the front and then we start building that evidence within the framework. So it's less to, less about that audit piece at the end. Yeah. It's about the beginning and the end, top and tail, hopefully. Yeah, it's brilliant. And, and do you ever... Do you ever have to make calls and make trade-offs? Do, do you get businesses that come to you and say, you know, I really, really want fame and I want to be mega, mega famous, but I've also got to deliver this pretty steep ROI for it to pay back properly. Uh, uh, and in most cases, you can't really have both. It's like you want something fast and you want it cheap. It just sort of doesn't work that way. This is it. And it's the question that we're answering every day or week, really. Mm. That is the question that balance and that reconciliation um, and, and, and effectively that is the central question that we're answering with measurement and media strategy in general I think now mm. um, and that all comes back to balancing short and long-term objectives etc um, I think there's, there's an interesting thing that ties this into digital and digital measurement is a couple of years ago we all used to be obsessed with uh, digital multi-touch attribution um, and understanding the role of assist values of channels uh, and sequence and, you know, oh, should we get um, the Facebook impression in before the display or the other way around right. and so on? Right. And there are gains to be had in getting that right, no doubt about it, but they're quite small compared to something right at the other end, which is getting your strategy right. Um, and getting yeah. your strategy right uh, makes a huge difference compared to the yeah. um, small differences you can make by tinkering with sequence. Yeah. So I think as the multi-touch attribution approach has started to crumble with GDPR, et cetera, uh, we started to focus on the other end, which was really liberating and say, hey, let's get your strategy right. And, and strategy is really about your, um, the scale of your ambition and your expectations about payback. And this ROI thing about when things have to pay back and whether they're allowed to be efficient or allowed to be mm, what might be deemed as inefficient yeah. is all wrapped up in that. Yeah, so, yeah. again, we can, we can think about brands that have gone down that route and... Um, uh, you, you talked about uh, Monzo, for instance. And again, mm. they're, they're not paying back week one. They've got a growth strategy. Yeah, yeah. A more obvious example um, is someone like Purple Bricks. So Purple Bricks, um, within five years, they went from nothing to number one in the estate agent sector, not the online estate agent sector, wow. the whole estate agent sector. Uh, and they did that by saying, look, what we're going to do is we're just going to say, if we generate traffic, everything else will come, basically. Buyers will come, sellers will come, other third parties that we need in this process will come as well. Mm. And that was their strategy, basically. And they said, in order to do that, uh, again, we can't do that with PPC alone. We're going to have to go massive on TV, and that's how it's going to be done. And pair that with brilliant digital performance uh, media planning as well, yeah. undoubtedly, brilliant site experience. Um, but that's that's how they targeted it. And again, um, um, it's 
Featherbridge has not been a client of ours, but all this information is available in the public debate. Mm. I mean, they clearly were not making money in their first few years, yeah, yeah. and it paid back in the share price over the latter couple of years, basically, yeah. and that's how it worked. And again, um, you've got to think about whether you need to pay back operationally in your revenues and margins this week, this month, this quarter, yeah, yeah. or pay back in lifetime value or share price, et cetera, because it opens up all, all different uh, forms of strategy. Um, uh, that's a brilliant point. Um, what, one last question for you. What's, what's exciting you? Uh, at the moment when it comes to measurement? Well, strangely, um, the WFA project, uh, World Federation of Advertising project uh, called Origins, yeah. which is meant to be this common measurement piece um, across, um, across media channels, largely AV channels, which mm. uh, really says, listen, what's an impression worth across um, all our AV channels, linear TV, VOD, online video, social video, et cetera. And it seems like, oh, that, that seems like quite an easy challenge. Um, but it's not. As soon as you start asking that question, it opens up so many yeah, yeah. other elements. Um, and in order to understand what the value of an impression is worth in each of those platforms, each of those channels, you've got to understand um, the subsequent engagement, the cost of those channels, the uh, view through rates. Um, in other words, you're taking it all the way through the journey, assessing those channels all the way through to ROI. So it's not about the impression because you know it's a value and impression. You've got to understand what the outcome is worth, basically, and what the channel yeah. costs. Um, so it opens up everything, basically. And I think the, the project, uh, by all accounts, is proving quite difficult because there's lots of interested mm. parties and there's going to be winners and losers. And you, you've got to make sure if you're one of those media or platform owners, you're not a loser. So you need to make your case. Yes. Um, and the cases are quite nuanced. So, you know, in order to make your case for value, you've got to say why an exposure in your uh, platform is more valuable than another, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So you're opening up all the possible issues that exist in, in media measurements, evaluation and attribution. So that's a really interesting project. The fact that it's very messy and it's going to be very, very hard to solve and it probably won't get solved um, <laughs> is, is, is so interesting. <laughs> Andy, thank you so much for your time. I've learned loads. I've learned, I never knew that about Purple Bricks becoming the number one estate agent. I didn't know that about uh, Kazoo. I didn't know that about Carla. I've learned loads from this. This has been absolutely brilliant. Okay. Um, you're so busy, but thank you so much for giving us some time. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. James, pleasure. The IAB UK podcast. Andy Bellis from Mindshare there. As soon as you start talking to Andy, it's obvious that he's this immensely smart guy, but he just wears it so lightly. He's not interested in making something that's already complex more complicated. It's it's the opposite. He really wants to simplify measurement in a way so you can understand it. I love the bit about Carwell's strategy, partly because I watch Matt Watson religiously on YouTube, and then a competitor like Kazoo doing the exact opposite and all the stuff around Purple Bricks too. I thought that was great. But most of all, it's something he said early on in the chat that measurement's role was to prove and improve. And I think that tiny line is absolutely spot on. 
If you want to listen to more episodes like this one, they're all available on the IAB site at iabuk.com forward slash connected or wherever you get your podcasts from. And keep up with everything we're doing on measurement by going to our dedicated measurement hub at iabuk.com forward slash measurement. There you'll find all of the content around National Anti-Click-Through-8 Day, as well as our measurement toolkit, which is one of the most downloaded bits of content that we've ever produced. But for now, thanks for listening. IAB UK, building a sustainable future for digital advertising.